Today's reading is Acts 25. Three days after his arrival in the province, Festus went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem, where the chief priests and Jewish leaders presented their case against Paul. They urged Festus to grant them a concession against Paul by summoning him to Jerusalem, because they were preparing an ambush to kill him along the way. But Festus replied, Paul is being held in Caesarea, and I myself am going there soon. So if this man has done anything wrong, let some of your leaders come down with me and accuse him there. After spending no more than eight or ten days with them, Festus went down to Caesarea. The next day he sat on the judgment seat and ordered that Paul be brought in. When Paul arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many serious charges that they could not prove. Then Paul made his defense. I have committed no offense against the law of the Jews, or against the temple, or against Caesar. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem to stand trial before me on these charges? Paul replied, I am standing before the judgment seat of Caesar, where I ought to be tried. I have done nothing wrong to the Jews, as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of anything worthy of death, I do not refuse to die. But if there is no truth to their accusations against me, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. Then Festus conferred with his counsel and replied, You have appealed to Caesar? To Caesar you will go! After several days had passed, King Agrippa and Bernice came down from Caesarea to pay their respects to Festus. Since they were staying several days, Festus laid out Paul's case before the king. There is a certain man whom Felix left in prison. While I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and elders of the Jews presented their case and requested a judgment against him. I told them that it is not the Roman custom to hand a man over before he has had an opportunity to face his accusers and defend himself against their charges. So when they came here with me, I did not delay. The next day I sat on the judgment seat and ordered that the man be brought in. But when his accusers rose to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. They only had some contentions with him regarding their own religion and a certain Jesus who had died, but whom Paul affirmed to be alive. Since I was at a loss as to how to investigate these matters, I asked if he was willing to go to Jerusalem and be tried there on these charges. But when Paul appealed to be held over for the decision of the emperor, I ordered that he be held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear this man myself. Tomorrow you will hear him, Festus declared. The next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the auditorium, along with the commanders and leading men of the city, and Festus ordered that Paul be brought in. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man. The whole Jewish community has petitioned me about him, both here and in Jerusalem, crying out that he ought not to live any longer. But I found he had done nothing worthy of death, and since he has now appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. I have nothing definite to write to our sovereign one about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after this inquiry, I might have something to write. For it seems unreasonable to me to send on a prisoner without specifying the charges against him. This is God's word. When we left Paul yesterday, he was languishing in prison in Caesarea for two years. That's according to Acts 24, verse 27. 
Caesarea is a nice place, right on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. But if you're in prison, that doesn't matter. If I had to be in prison somewhere, I guess I'd rather be locked up in Miami or Hawaii than in Alaska or Minneapolis. But I'm sure prisoners in Hawaii don't feel like they're in paradise, even though they technically are. Anyway, Paul was in prison there in Caesarea for two years. He was left there by Felix, a Roman government official over Judea. Felix detained Paul for two years without a trial because he was looking for a bribe from Paul, according to Acts 24.26. Because he didn't get the bribe, Felix decided, when he left office, to leave Paul in prison as a favor to Paul's Jewish opponents. We saw that in chapter 24, verses 26-27. through 27. Leaving Paul in prison without a trial was unjust, but Felix was a sinful man, so I doubt he felt any guilt in his conscience about that. The Jewish leaders asked Felix's successor Festus, and I always think of Uncle Fester when I hear his name, to send Paul back to Jerusalem from Caesarea for trial, according to verses 1 through 3, because they planned to kill Paul en route, again according to verse 3. Paul argued against a transfer back to Jerusalem and to ensure his safety appealed to Caesar. We saw that in verses 4 through 11. Appealing to Caesar was Paul's right as a Roman citizen. Remember that in Acts 22, verse 27. King Agrippa, Herod Agrippa, that is, was a Jewish client king over the same area as Festus. And Agrippa came with his wife to Caesarea to congratulate Fester, or Festus, that is, on his sweet new job. That's according to verse 13. What do a Roman governor and a Jewish king have to talk about? Not much besides work. So that's what Festus and Agrippa talked about, including Paul's case, according to verses 14 through 21. Agrippa was intrigued by the case, so Festus set up a meet and greet between Agrippa and Paul, according to verse 22. At the end of our passage today, that is, from verses 23 through 27, the table was set for Paul's speech to Agrippa, which we'll read next time in Acts 24. As I mentioned in my previous devotional from Acts 23, Paul used his valuable Roman citizenship to avoid a beating by a Roman soldier and to protect his life from the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. Here in Acts 25, Paul used his Roman citizenship to his advantage again. This time, he used it to get a free trip to Rome, where he wanted to go next anyway. We saw that when we read Romans 15, verses 23 through 33. This was a wise move. Paul creatively used what he had at his disposal to move toward the goal he wanted to reach for the glory of God. But notice this one thing. In Acts 22.28, Paul said, I was born a citizen of Rome. That was highly unusual for a Jewish man or any other non-Italian in those days. To be born a Roman citizen and you're not Italian? Very unlikely. Very unusual. The Romans conquered many nations, but did not grant citizenship to those defeated foes. For Paul to be a Roman citizen, his father must have forked over a lot of money, as we saw someone else say back in chapter 22, verse 27. Or Paul's father did some heroic act for the Roman Empire that got him honored with Roman citizenship. Either way, Paul's Roman citizenship came to him as a gift. He did nothing to earn it. It was conferred on him by birth. The fact that Paul was able to use his Roman citizenship for the Lord's work shows us the importance of God's providence. The word providence speaks of God's working his will in this world without using miracles. 
Often God's providence is only visible to us when we look backward at events in the past. When things are happening to us in the present, in real time, we don't necessarily see God working his will. But if we look back at our lives, we can often see how seemingly random things were actually given or arranged by God to accomplish his will in us. Maybe Paul's dad was proud to be a Roman citizen. Or maybe he was embarrassed about it and lost some credibility with his Pharisaic friends because of it. Maybe as Paul was growing up, he thought his Roman citizenship had very little use to him. But now he could see why God gave it to him. I'm certain he was grateful to have that benefit when Acts 25 was happening. Think back over your life as a Christian for a little bit. Have there been any chance events in your life that protected you from harm? Or that helped you serve God or walk with him? Think back over what God has done in you and for you. Do you see anything that happened before you were born that made you the man or woman that you are now? Make a list then and thank God for his providence and how it has worked out in your life. Then determine, as Paul did, to use whatever advantages you have, be they small and insignificant or great and valuable, to the glory of God by the expansion of the gospel. And if you found this devotional helpful, please sign up to receive it in your email, if you don't already, by going to dailypbj.com slash subscribe. Also, consider supporting me financially every month and go to dailypbj.com to find out more about that. Finally, please share this devotional with someone who might be helped by it. And I'll see you next time. May God bless you. I hope you have a great day.